how can you make 2023 your best year yet? Well, in today's episode, we discuss seven non-negotiables for success in 2023. Hello, my friend. Welcome to Something for Everybody, the podcast to help you feel more loved and connected through story sharing. My name is Aaron Mashpitz, and my mission is to help you realize your potential and capabilities through conversations and deep insights so you can make your prior best your new baseline. Matt Spinar comes back for round two on the podcast. He was previously on episode 116, and he rejoins us for today's episode. And we break down and heavily discuss the seven non-negotiables for success in 2023. This podcast is brought to you by Amare. Amare is the mental wellness company, and I use their products daily. So click the link in the show notes, use code everybody at checkout for $10 off your entire order. Now on to episode 137 with Matt Spinar. Hello, welcome to something for everybody. My name is Aaron Mashvitz. Matt Spindock, welcome back to the show. What's up, buddy? It's good to be back. It's great to have you back. A few changes uh, since your last appearance on this show. You were on episode 116 when <laughs> the podcast was named Jackson Talks Everybody. We've changed the name to Something for Everybody, and I'm pumped to have you back on. But on the last episode you were on, I gave you the last question, the billboard question. Billboard. And you said you needed some time to think about it. I don't know if I thought much about it. So, it's, <laughs> so let's I've given you question, plenty of yeah. time. What do, you, what do you have for me? What do you have for me? Do you remember the billboard question? No, you're going to have to ask it again. Your podcast has changed, new name. Throw that question back out there. Let's go. All right. So I asked you if you were going to put up a billboard and millions of people were to see that billboard every single day, what would you put on that billboard? Why do you got to ask this as the very beginning, the intro to the podcast, man? It's like, <laughs> that should be the very end or somewhere in the middle. That was the very end of the last episode you were on. Man, you know what? I think the, the biggest thing I've tried to go in, at least with the new year, and I'm not a big resolution guy, but um, right now I would say be generous with your time. Mm. Um, I found that to be, you know, because when, when you get asked to do something by a friend or a coworker or something like that, um, if it's not something you immediately want to do, that's super important to you, right? You have your, your other motivations and reasons why you might not want to hop in and help out or do something for, for somebody else. But um, I found that after the fact, being more generous with my time comes out to, to benefit me in the long run, both personally um, with just like my spiritual being, how I feel, um, whether we're working on a project, it could be financially work related, whatever, but be generous with your time, short and simple. Uh, it can mean a lot of things and, uh, you can interpret it how you want. Um, that's what I'd put up there right now. Be generous with your time. Generous with your time. I guess you could say with, towards others, um, mm. you know, 
directing towards helping others, spending time with others, loved ones, um, maybe helping somebody out that you just met, um, taking a moment to really listen to somebody, get to know them, hear their story, whatever that may be. Now you'd be a little less selfish uh, going forward with your time. So, you know, I'm a pretty selfish guy, Aaron. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, I've had some of those selfish moments in the past. And uh, I think when you reflect back on that, um, it hurts a little bit when you uh, don't spend that extra moment with somebody, you know, and they can tell too. They can feel it when you're rushing through a conversation or uh, rushing through an interaction. Um, being more generous with that, your ability to connect and, and just spend time with them is important. So, yeah, I, I feel, I feel similar in, in that regard to sort of this, this selfishness. Yeah. Because me, you and I sort of acted quite similar when it came to our college experience. I agree. But then I talked to like my, my friends that I still have from that experience, from college, from South Dakota State, and they were able to get to know uh, a version of me that I didn't really portray to the masses, right? Because we sort of wanted yeah. to put on a, a persona. True. Or whatever the case may be. And so... I've always known you to be uh, a very nice, kind guy. You treated me extremely well when you didn't have to. Um, and so we all have sort of selfish tendencies. And in some regards, that's not always bad because we do have to look out for ourselves because yeah. no one really is looking out for us in the same way they would look out for themselves, which is important. But then, True. as you're saying, sort of, you need to also be generous and help people when you when they ask and not brush people off and pay attention to the things that they're saying the phone has a lot to do with that our attention has a lot to do with that and how we get distracted in certain moments but then you reflect back on how you acted in certain moments and how you could have treated people better and sort of potentially regrets that you might have but it's, it's hard because we can't change anything that we did we can no. only hope to to move forward a little bit better so yeah yeah, you can't, you got to be a little selfish, you're right. Otherwise, then you don't have any personal development and time for yourself to reflect. I mean, there's always a balance, but in general, I think we can all listen to each other a little bit more. Mm, I agree. Yeah. So exactly. All right. Yeah. Before we get before we get into what we're going to talk about today, uh, I want to ask you the other most important question that we ask on this podcast. Uh, Matt, how are you doing? How are you doing? How's the new year going for you? How's work? New year's good, man. I've had a lot, of, a lot of good family time this new year. Just got back from Colorado. Spent some time with my sister, her husband, my niece. You know, my parents are close by, so that's always good. Anytime I get to see my sister because she lives far away um, and connect with her, it's always special, you know? Um, it really brings me back to, like, old memories of just her and I growing up and you know, she went to uh, school in the Midwest as well. So I feel like for some reason, anytime I get to hang out with her and connect, it brings back old memories from college as well, because she was down in Omaha at Creighton. Mm. So we were always connecting. So, um, man, things are good. Work's going well. Um, I'm still in school, getting that MBA. I'm just trying to learn a little bit more. Um, but yeah, you know, still got the dog. Dog's hanging in there. <laughs> Annoying. You might hear him on this podcast. He's down yeah. there doing something. We heard him. But, a, we heard him a little bit last time, but that's why uh, we love dogs here. Yeah, yeah. You have a dog, don't you? Well, we have a we have a family dog. Oh, okay. 
because yeah. it, it was my sister's dog. Okay. And um, yeah, and now it lives with it lives with my parents. Oh, guys, very cool. Yeah, um, it's a beautiful, beautiful little creature. It brings a lot of joy. So, man, so much joy. A lot of joy. A lot of fur. Sleeps in the bed with me. You know. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, everything's going well. I'm doing good. You know, if I had to say it, and I can feel good about saying that. Beautiful, man. Why I didn't ask you this last time, but why did you decide to get your MBA? You know, uh, pharmacy school was a, a long journey there. What, seven, eight years of just reading, studying and learning. And then once you get in your career, I feel like this is for anybody too. Um, whether you're, it's a skill or something uh, a little more in the, in the medical field or whatever, maybe like book inclined, I guess you could say like physical versus mental skill. Um, once you get in that, everything is pretty isolated to like one area. I feel like, you know, not everybody is a jack of all trades in their job, which can get a little monotonous, I feel like, but that's kind of the way the world's designed, right? Like you have experts in their field, you know, your plumber is not going to do your siding and, you know, your pharmacist isn't going to be doing your heart surgery. It's just kind of how it is. So you feel like you just get a little pigeonholed into one area. And I, I wanted to open up and learn something completely different than the medical side. Uh, learn something more about finance, um, whether that helps me in my job or my personal life. I mean, that's kind of what I was going at. Like, hey, if this doesn't apply at all to work, at least I learned something completely new, one. And two, maybe this can help me personally, you know, live a more uh, productive and satisfying life financially. And I don't want to say everything boils down to how much money you make or whatnot, but there is some peace to being, you know, financially stable and, and feeling good about where you're at uh, money wise. Cause then it allows your mind to be free to do other things. You know, you're not always worried about debt and <clears throat> running over your expenses and all that stuff. So being uh, smart about that, learning a little bit more about that, that was the biggest goal there. And yeah, if I can apply it to work, that's great too. So it's kind of fun being back in school. Like there's a skill to school, which is weird to me. There's the skill of learning, you know, the, the actual topic. And then there's an actual skill of taking tests and learning your professor and what they're looking for and whatnot. Kind of forget like how that all was structured and how it worked back in the day. It's fun. It's been fun so far. So I'm in my fourth class now. I wish, well, maybe not wish. What's the right word? Maybe, I don't know. But I didn't expect in my life that I would need such business skills as I do. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because, you know, I studied health education and nutrition in college. Uh, didn't, wasn't 100% sure what I was going to do with that. I was like, okay, I'll be a personal trainer. Maybe I'll be a strength conditioning coach. But I was like, I'm going to be a professional wrestler. So what the fuck do I need then? all this other shit? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's what I'm going to do. It's fine. Yeah. But then also, then when I got into personal training and got into professional wrestling, it's all a business. Like, right. how do I handle, what am I going to make? Uh, where's my money going? How can I budget this out when I was making $0 to wrestle? How can I still afford the food I need, my gym, all this yeah. other stuff? Okay. And I'm a personal trainer. How much do I charge for my clients? Where am I spending my time? And then, you know, then I start working for myself and creating all of these businesses and like flying by the seat of my pants, trying to figure it out as I go. But I guess that was like a fun part about it. So if I imagine studying business in college, I probably wouldn't have had as much fun because I don't, I didn't enjoy the topic as much then as I do now, because yeah. I really love health education and fitness. And so it kept me in class. It kept me engaged. 
because really I just went to college to play baseball and school yeah. just happened to be a part of it. Yeah. And now that I have to run a nonprofit and a podcasting business and a coaching business, uh, I'm just learning it as I go. And it feels invigorating because it is what I want to be doing. And yeah. I'm more, uh, I like learning a lot more than I used to because I'm learning all of the things that directly apply to the things I'm trying to do in my life. So I totally understand what you're talking about. Yeah, it is weird. I take, and I didn't really understand it back then too. You know, you just studied to, to get through it. I feel like, you know, you're just trying to get that class taken care of, get the grade, whatever. Now I'm trying to really see the value. Okay. Mm -hmm. One is I'm paying for it. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I don't want to screw that up, but yeah, I mean, it's my time, you know, time's limited. Um, and I really want to digest it and understand what the heck I'm reading, you know, and what I'm in doing and interacting with. The one thing I will say though, it's online and there, I don't care what anybody says online versus in person. There's no comparison in person is way better miles beyond online, man. Like you can't replicate those interactions on the internet, no matter what you do, it, it doesn't work. We had a, uh, at work. We had a, a panel interview last week for a candidate for a job. And this was the first time in I don't know how many years where it was completely in person. There was no online option. You couldn't zoom in from your office or your house or whatever. So we all got together, you know, different hours, different groups of panel people, 10 people on each panel, right? And uh, met in this big conference room for the interview like we used to do back in the day. And just those five to 10 minutes before and after where you're running in and out of the meeting and you're seeing people you haven't seen in a little while, those just quick conversations, I swear more gets done as far as like work progress, building relationships in those short five minute passings than you ever could replicate on the internet. There's no, it's no comparison. It's crazy. There's absolutely zero comparison whatsoever. It's like not yeah. even close and i understand the convenience of the zoom i get it so convenient and i get why we needed it for when we needed it i love it for podcasting i don't live anywhere near you i want to chat with you yeah. this is beautiful great but right. most people are going to listen to this via audio so it's fine for them because it's like we're in person anyways if the quality of the audio is good sometimes it sucks you know i'm getting better <laughs> at that as we go that's just how improvement as a podcast, but yeah. you know, so most people feel like it's the in-person conversation because they're just like listening. And as they do stuff, you know, some people watch it via YouTube, but you get my point, but yeah. the in-person interaction, like feeling someone's energy, like making eye contact, potentially like touching them, if it's appropriate, like a pat on the shoulder or like a fist bump or whatever the case may be, it just yeah. like creates a vibe and an energy that's like unbelievable, unbelievable. Like I do a lot of uh, mental health speaking engagements. And of course, the ones that are in person, I, I feel like I'm making more of an impact on the people right. that I'm speaking to, right? Because I can directly connect with them. The before and after, like you're talking about, is, is amazing because I can get a personal relationship. Like what exactly are you dealing with right now? And maybe how can I tailor that my presentation to maybe directly speak to you and your needs? Right. while also helping everyone that's in the room as well. And then, of course, on Zoom, it's hard to like talk about something because you don't know who's there. You're sort of, are people listening? Your your camera might be off. Am I just right. talking to talk? Who's listening? You know, again, I understand the importance of it. I understand the convenience of it. I understand why sometimes we need to do it. 
but you can't beat being in the room with people. You can't beat it because we're social creatures and we, we need that. And you don't know who you're going to talk to, who you're going to run into, what connection you're going to make, what amazing thing you might create with that person, what, uh, how you'll touch their lives in a, in a way that you may never know, but they talk about it for the rest of their life, like, or a job interview, like, yeah. man, it's like, so if we can, if we can get to, back to that, like at full tilt, a hundred percent, I think, I mean, we're going to, we're going to do amazing things. And it also, it creates uh, something where you have to be present for what you're doing. Cause right. if we're having a job interview or a conversation or a speaking engagement and you're on your phone the whole time, you, you know, it just looks weird. Like, you know, you you're being do it. disrespectful. You can't do it. But if I'm yeah, on Zoom and my off. camera's off, I, I can do whatever I want. I can literally yeah, you, be doing whatever I want. You can just sit there just down in the trenches. Yeah. I mean, in, in person, people look at you like, what's wrong? This jackass. What is this guy doing, man? Like, yeah. So I know that's why when we interview people too, you have the, the lunch, you go get coffee because even the formality of an interview or like a, a conversation, like a podcast, even, you know, there's a difference between that and then just walk into the, wherever the cafeteria, you know, you're just BSing about whatever you really get to know somebody. And like you said, you know, you might talk about something or have an interaction that changes their day, changes their life. Think, think about something differently, you know, that they never thought about before, whatever it might be. So I don't get the resistance. People want to just stay home and do that cycle. What, what does that look like? You wake up, you eat in your house, you work in your house, you might go outside and go on a walk and then come home and eat and go to bed. You know, you never like go out in public. Me, I don't, I don't get it. There's a lot right. of pushback. I, I don't understand, especially for, for like the regular person who has just like a small apartment that they live in. Right. right? If you have this like massive house and you can go in like seven different rooms to do seven yes. different things, it, it might be a little bit better. But if I'm doing everything in this little apartment, I'm, I, I'm not going to be able to do it. Right. Especially a bedroom. A yeah. bedroom is meant for two things, sex and sleep. That's it. That's it. That's it. Because seriously, though, because your body yeah. is tuned to know what's going to happen when I go into this bed. Am yeah. I getting ready for sleep or am I doing or am I doing something intimate with my partner? Great. Right. I'm not working in here. I'm not eating in here. I'm not needing to be energized in here. And then I go to a separate place in my in my house to do my work. That's where my body knows that it's time to do deep work. And if everything is all happening, interconnected, all in the same place. Your, yeah. your body can't adjust to that. and doesn't know what to do. And then you're not getting outside. You're not going to the gym. You're not meeting your friends. Like social right. isolation is, is just as bad as smoking a pack of cigarettes. Scott. And so if we can consciously work to get away from that, like, and everyone is working to get away from that, then we have to be. And, and there can be like a hybrid situation if need be, right? If, you're, if your yeah. company is like located in California, but you live in Dallas, like I understand some of that, that stuff, because you want to get the best people working for your company and the best people are like worldwide, of course. Yeah. Um, but there can still be some stuff where you have to be very conscious about your work environment, what you do each day, you know, your movement, your steps, how you're treating your bedroom versus your office, you know, yeah. things like that. And if you, if you can curate that environment, which is just as important as anything else, then potentially you could have a suitable and sustainable like home office or work from home situation. I took the TV out of the bedroom. 
I haven't, I haven't had one in there for a couple of years because it was toxic, man. Just playing reruns of the office or whatever, just staying up, wasting time, doing nothing, nothing mm-hmm. productive is happening. You know, I had to get rid of it. If I could just get rid of the phone, but you're better about that. Cause you can set the timers and it's yep. easier just to set that down. But if, if the TV's in there, I also don't have a personal laptop anymore either. I like that thing finally died and I never replaced it. So I have my work computer, which is work only. And then my home computer is a desktop. So it's in a separate space, not, you know, you can't carry it around with you, lay in bed on the laptop, do whatever. That has been a huge help. Cause I used to just lay there and listen to podcasts or whatever, Joe Rogan, who knows what. Sure. And I, I would just like, let it help me fall asleep, I guess, but that's not healthy, you know? way better to to read a book or or just wind down naturally you know absolutely i agree yeah man all right well let's get it let's get into the uh the meat and bones for today's episode even though we've already been chatting for like 30 minutes the meat (laughs) and bones baby the meat and bones so i sent you this twitter thread i thought it'd be pretty cool for us to sort of break it down um the title of the twitter thread is called seven non-negotiables for success in 2023 it's by this guy named Colby Coltgen, who, uh, who yes. tweets out a bunch of good stuff. He has a cool newsletter. His, his whole basic thing is about getting 1% better every day, which is something that I talk about as well. And I'm sure, Matt, you know as well. So oh, yeah. Should I we're going to break up? these down the best oh, you we got can. It. You got um, it? Huh? You got it pulled up or you want me to pull it up? Yeah, I got it right here. Oh, yeah, baby. You can do so, a screen, screen share <clears> like at work. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just have it on my other my other laptop right here. So I'll just uh, I'll say the the skill or the non negotiable, and then you'll go, I'll go, we'll talk about it, and then we'll cool. just move on. Yeah, let's do it. So here we go: seven non negotiables for success in twenty twenty three. Number one, build at least one high value skill. There's no skipping this part of the process. Start getting your reps in now. What do you think about that, Matt? Man, I think that's huge. I think. I was thinking about this the other day, actually, how that's changed, like the perception of the population on people with skills, you know what I mean? Like whether it's a a work skill or or a personal value skill or whatever it may be. But I feel like leading up to COVID, people were really starting to devalue that, right? Whether it be like the carpenter, the plumber, um, the, the work professional, the healthcare provider is like, screw it, man, I can Google it. I can YouTube it. I can do whatever. And COVID, I think after that, now the aftermath of it has really changed that people are really starting to value each other and their personal skills and what they can do to help, you know, others in those interactions, their level of expertise in one particular subject. Um, And I don't know, maybe if I'm just coming at it from that angle, because I'm getting a little older and I'm starting to do work on my house and I'm really spending time with my dad and learning his expertise, which is carpentry and, and engineering. So he's teaching me a lot of things. And I find a ton of value in that because before I would try and do it on my own, Google it, YouTube it, whatever. It's not the same, you know, as working with somebody who has a, what you said, a high value skill. And then from my perspective, as a pharmacist, I feel like the value has been put back on us in the healthcare setting to provide some type of, to value to your patients, you know, bring that skill to them. Whereas before it was more of like, all right, push the pills, get out of, get out of here. You know, I don't need to talk to you, but now people are starting to see the value. And if you don't develop a skill that you can bring to the table, I feel like you're going to be left behind or left out of the conversation. Um, So it's making a resurgence, man. I mean, 
you see it in every every aspect of the of the workforce right now. Yeah, I mean, developing at least one at least skill, one. you know, because it's you can sort of there's this idea of skill stacking where like one stacks on top of the other and you sort of integrate it and mesh it and, it, and you get this like broad range of skills. Yeah. But if you're just looking to, to elevate yourself, just 1% slightly move the needle forward. Yeah. Think about one skill. And I think when people think about skill, they think about like, like a physical thing that they can get better at potentially like, true. you know, like you were talking about like plumbing or carpentry or whatever the case may be is or like sales or video and film editing or copywriting, right? right? Some of those skills that are tangible that you could potentially get a job from or elevate yourself in the current job that you already have. But when I think about a skill, I also think about skills like, you know, a meditation skill or uh, becoming more optimistic or learning how to calm yourself down when you get too aroused, right? All of those are also skills as well. Learning how to communicate effectively being able to um, uh, like uh, write or read better or understand things that happen. Those are all skills that we've, we've acquired over time that are sort of things like if someone asked us what we were good at, we'll be able to say that. Am I a really good reader? Can I understand and comprehend the things that I'm reading all of the time? That's a skill yeah. you can get better at, right? And so think about, okay, do I want to get a skill that directly applies to what I do for work? Or do I want to get a skill that will apply to a thing that I'm thinking about that I want to do that I can start building towards that? Or do I just want to become a, a little bit better version of myself? So you kind of have to maybe look at sort of those three domains and then maybe pick one skill in each and try and move the needle forward there. And so it's extremely important. And also, I think it's fun to learn something new. I totally. It's and super the fun. Skill, skill stacking, I've heard that term before. And, you know, multitasking as well is another one people always talk about. I don't, I don't buy into that, the multitasking thing. I don't know what you're, yeah, you can't, multi, you got to focus on the task at hand. And I think for the skill development thing, it's the same, you know, focus on one thing, one item that you can improve on or that you want to develop, right? Like what is multi multitasking? What is that? You can't do that. Right. Right. Yeah, we're going to get into that. It's one of the later ones about it. Oh, is it really? Oh, okay, oh, yeah, great. For sure. there, there, there you go. But yeah, so it's like, oh, I was going to say something. Oh, well, uh, anyways. Uh, no, the mental part, that's huge too. Um, little story, my mom, uh, her and I are super connected. She used to tell me in her early years of her career here in the Portland, Oregon area, she's from the Northeast, from Boston. She's moved around a bunch, met my dad in Arizona, and they really love the sunshine and the heat of Arizona. And when my dad's job brought him to the Northwest, you know, she started work and she's like, damn, it's rainy. It's cold, shitty outside. And she'd go into work every day and people would be like, Hey, Trish, how's it going? She'd be like, God, it's fucking cold out. Like just kind of a grump about it, you know? And she said she did that for years and I don't know what clicked with her, but one day she, she had like a moment of self-reflection in her office going, do people probably don't want to ask me how I'm doing or, or talk to me because every time they ask me, I say, why is it so cloudy? Why is it so rainy? Mm. And she did what you're saying, made that mental shift to let, let's be a little more optimistic about this, or how can I enjoy this place or this weather or whatever? And maybe I need to join a running group or, or go on a hike with uh, some people from work, you know, get out in nature and see what it has to offer. But 
she made that self switch of, of just the optimism or approaching it like, Hey, you know what? There's some good everywhere. I, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer on somebody's day when they ask, Hey, how's your morning? And you're like, it's freaking rainy out, man. What the hell? That's no way to respond. Right. And also if you, if you respond in a way where you're sort of uh, being a little bit more optimistic, looking at the good, um, and then when you do come into the office and, and you actually aren't feeling very good, people will respond to that a little bit better because you haven't repeatedly point. said that over and over and over and over and over and over again. They're probably going right. to be like, oh, like, are, are you all right? Do you like, do you need to talk about it? Like what's happening? Yeah. Um, instead of just sort of seeing always the bad all the time, no matter what, even though some things are probably pretty good, but that's like a situational basis anyways. But, oh, I was going to say, uh, based on the skills, like, and developing a skill, you don't have to like start a skill and then have to become a master at this skill. That's, I don't think you just have to be yeah. willing to improve upon it and, and try something new because it's fun. And you go in like yeah. with this beginner's mindset, like everyone who's a master at anything was a fool at the beginning. And so if we can just have a, a learner's mindset, a beginner's mindset, then you might, it might be something that's a, a lifelong passion of yours, a lifelong hobby, or it might be something that's going to completely change the trajectory of your life, your job, and your family's life. So you never know, but you have to, you have to begin to see where it might go. And the best yeah. time to start that skill was yesterday or right now. Or right now. Exactly. So. Put the phone down, start that skill. Exactly. Number two, uh, I think this obviously goes right in line because it's seven non-negotiables. So number two is be able to identify high impact tasks. Yeah, is this time management? I guess mm -hmm. you could say, uh, figure out what's important, whether it be like personally or to help others. Um, yeah, there's a lot of ways to waste time in the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, you know, you freaking sit there on your couch and scroll on Instagram for an hour. And an hour is a long time. When you think about, when I think about sitting there scrolling on the phone or watching sports center for an hour, how much time an hour actually is if I was reading a book, like how far I can get in a book and learn something new. Um, or just, you know, reading is, is a great way to relax <laughs> and, and not so much meditate, but just calm you down and a little bit less stimulation than the constant scrolling and flashing in your face. Um, I try and explain that to people in that way, you know, think about sitting alone in a room for five minutes with nothing it's silence. Five minutes is a lot longer than you think when you're coming at it from that angle versus five minutes on your phone. So um, if you can really start to understand how much time's actually in a day, uh, it'll really open your eyes to what you can do, what you can get done. And then writing things down too. Like I used to do that in college a lot, right? You used a planner or a calendar. You had all your assignments and, and tasks you had to do. We had to go to practice, all that. You had it all listed out. And there's a satisfaction in checking them off and whatnot. But the organization of it, I feel like is huge, right? If you took a moment to write down, let, let's say tonight, I write down everything I need to do tomorrow. And then I do it. Well, that's, that's a good day. You know, that's productive use of my time. And then if you did that, you know, for a week and for a month and so forth, um, I've gotten back into that, not so much writing it down physically, but using the computer as a calendar. 
Um, but it really helps organize everything and get it out of my headspace and into something I can see and, uh, and visualize more physically, right? You can see it break down on an actual sheet of paper or on the screen. Yeah, I think writing things down is, is paramount. We don't do it enough. I mean, no. I feel, I don't know what, what happened there. It's like we got out of school and I just threw the notebooks away. <laughs> well, we put some stuff on our phone. We use the notes app, you know, instead of actively engaging with a pen and paper to like yeah. write things down. And then when we got them done, I got them done. And then reinforce ourselves positively that we got that thing done and then keep moving down the list. But yeah. the thing with, with identifying sort of these high impact tasks is that you have to know what's most important to you. Yeah. Like what, what is most important to you? Okay. Okay. Now I know that this is my set of core values. These things are the most important to me. This is what is important. And I'm going to do my most important tasks first. And then what activities help me get those most important tasks done? Okay. Then I'm going to do more of those things. Instead, we like to work in like this, uh, this urgent, and important tasks like everything is urgent and everything is important well that's not really true true some things are important yeah. but they if you get them done when they need to be done then they're not so urgent then you have time to sort of do other things that could potentially benefit you in the long run when you're doing those important tasks so you have better time management so you can go for that walk so you can have lunch with your friend so you can get that exercise routine in so you can pick your kids up from school so not everything is urgent, 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 because you've planned accordingly about what is most important to you so you can leverage that time most, appro most uh, appropriately to those most high impact tasks. So you're not always like frantic, like this has to get done, this has to get done, this has to get done, because right. you've worked hard to sort of uh, eliminate that need. Now, if you work in a corporate structure, of course, there's going to be those random moments where your boss just lays that thing on your desk. And you got to get it done. You have no choice. Yeah. It is urgent and it is important, but you have all the other things you've done eliminated or tasked out or planned out that doesn't seem so overwhelming that you're just completely off the fringes, stressed out about it. You've, yeah. you've sort of put that, that, uh, that blocker into your schedule. So this might happen. My boss might do this. So I have this planned out. And that happens for, you know, for me and, and working for yourself as well as an entrepreneur, like, Sometimes people uh, have to reschedule or they cancel an episode. I'm like, okay, frantically, this episode has to come out in four days. I don't have a guest. How do I record? Who can I move here? How can yeah. I flip this around? But I planned out so far in advance, almost to like June with guests, that, it's, that it doesn't seem like it's the end of the world, but it is important and it is urgent so I can get it done. But most yeah. importantly, I'm trying to do the stuff that's just important that I know I can get done and leverage over time. Two, there's a balance to that, right, as well, because some of those tasks that come your way, you can just hammer out like the either short. You don't need to write them down or, or put them on the list. It just creates more chaos if you do that. Um, so there is a balance to like, OK, something came up, but I can get that done really quick and it'll it'll free up and it's a little less cluttered as far as my to do list. kind of like the marbles in the sand analogy, you know, in the jar, like you put the sand in first of all the small things you have to do. The marbles won't fit right but if you put the marbles in first the big tasks and then the sand falls in it's kind of like that with the small tasks too you know if you let those pile up they're a lot more time consuming than you think and then you can't hit those big projects those important projects you don't have the time delegated for it so there, there's a little balance there 
to like when something comes up, just knock it out versus uh, put it on the to-do list, you know? Right, exactly. And I think there's an element also of, of being able to ask for, for help when you need it too. Yeah. You know, uh, from whether it's coworkers or friends, uh, business partners, whatever the case may be is, you know, saying that, hey, I got a lot on my plate. Is there something that you could help me with? Or have you done some work in this area where you could help me sort of leverage my time the best or whatever the case may be? <laughs> that your dog? Up the, yeah, he's going to mess up the audio of the podcast. No, it's all good. Should I go put him outside so he's not squeaking? He does this, man. If I ever am taking a call or a meeting, finds the noisiest toy. And starts squeaking away? Yeah, dude. Like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> he knows they're smart. They're smart. Of course. Yeah. He's like, what's this guy doing? He's not paying attention to me. Yeah. He wants your attention. That's all good. He'll, he'll survive. He'll make it. Yeah. No, I agree, man. You know, I, uh, it's funny. I compare it to just little things in my house too. Like let's say I'm getting ready to leave for work. There's a middle day or whatever. And I got like the coffee on the pot, the dishwasher needs to be emptied. You know, there's some stuff that I could pick up. Right. And you put all that off till the end of the day, when you get home, you're like, dang, like I got to do all these little things. Like this might take an hour, hour and a half to do all these things. Well, if I would have just hit those during the day, then I get home at the end of the day from work. I have an hour set aside to read now. Cause I don't have to do the laundry, empty the dishwasher, whatever, you know, clean up the garage, all that stuff. So definitely a balance um, to it for sure. I love pulling the post-it notes down though, man, at work, I use like mm. little post-its, put them on the, on the uh, monitor. I do that at home too, uh, more so at home. And then I'll just rip the post-it and throw it away. It's like so satisfying just to be able to toss that out once you knock it off. Yeah. It feels amazing. Dude. So good. Right. Or like on my fridge, my fridge is just littered with post-it notes and to-dos. And I just like love just like, I get satisfaction at ripping it up, throwing it in the recycle. It's like, heck yeah. Knock that off, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, number three. This is oh, a great one. Let's hit it. Let's hit it. What is it? Delay gratification. You wouldn't plant a seed and dig it up every two days to check it out. So stop doing it in your life. Allow the fruits of your labor to grow before harvesting. Long-term peace over short-term pleasure. Heck yeah, dude. I've had to learn this. Patience is a virtue, man. And I always bring it back to work life, you know, my pharmacist life. But I remember when I first started working, I was always looking for that next job, that next promotion, asking my boss, like, hey, what's coming? Like, when am I going to get promoted or <laughs> what can I do? It's like, yo, easy, buddy. Pump the brakes. You've only been doing this a year to two years. And now I'm what, nine years in, eight, nine years into being a pharmacist. I've been with the hospital I'm at for over six years now. Um, in the same job for over five. And some people would say, Hey, you're not progressing, but that's not true because I'm learning new skills and meeting new people and, and working through the day to day. Um, being patient, I feel like has paid off for me in the work life. Um, not always jumping for that next opportunity or next promotion. Some other company reaches out maybe for something that's a little bit different you know, you got to find ways to better yourself in your current role and work with the people that are on your team and, and grow more organically over a long period of time, too. So um, non-work related, I feel like we can talk about this in the dating world, man. Like, mm. 
using the apps and all that nonsense, like the delayed versus instant gratification there. It's, it's crazy. You got to look at your long-term goal. What's, what do you want in a partner long-term and why are you messing around with somebody that you know is not compatible with you? Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it goes, it goes, that goes exactly back to what we're, where we're talking about in the last one, number two, which is yeah, uh, high impact, right? If you don't know, if you know exactly what you're looking for in a partner and they, the, the values you're trying to line up with and the person you're trying to be with for the rest of your life, and you go on a few dates with someone and they don't match up, then it's okay to say that, you know, I don't think this person is, is for me because you understand what you're looking for. Now you have to give it some sort of time. I don't know what that time frame might be or how many dates. I'm not sure, you know, what that might be, but yeah, then you don't need to continue seeing that person just for the sake of seeing that person when you know, they don't line up with your ultimate trajectory of where you want to be. And so being able to just like be alone or be single for that amount of time until you have developed yourself into the person, you know, that is suitable for being a good partner and then, you know, doing the right things to land that partner. You know, it's not going to magically happen, but there is some sort of serendipity to it, a little bit of the universe looking out for you, but right. you have to be in that right sort of state of mind, path, place in your life to, to be open because timing is a lot when it comes to so those sort of life-altering, lifelong relationships. No, man, I agree. Those apps are not conducive to that. <laughs> it, it, all, it really depends on how, how you use them and how, you're, true. how intentional you are with them. If I'm just getting on the apps and I'm scrolling on every girl that I see and going on as many dates as humanly possible and sleeping with a bunch of women and <clears throat> sure, that's fun for like a little bit. Like we've, we've done that. We've been down that road. It's, it's like not, it's not fun though. But then it, yeah, it's very, yeah. empty. You, I feel empty. It becomes very empty. Like yes. you've probably just disregarded a bunch of women in a way that you shouldn't do and and then you, and then you think about it, you start to feel shit. You start, I started to feel like absolute shit. Yeah, you do. And that's why I went on the path that I went on and it landed me with the most incredible relationship of my entire life. And so you have to think about the stuff that gives you energy and the stuff that drains you energy, drains yep. your energy and why you're doing the things you're doing. Are you just trying to sleep with a bunch of women? because you want to go and tell your buddies that you slept with a bunch of women. It's not right. that cool, man. It's not, it's it, like everyone has to go through that stage and you have to personally be able to close that loop. Yeah. I get it. So me yeah. saying it probably doesn't mean anything to you if you're in that stage of your life. Uh, but from experience, like the, the true relationships, the one that nourish you and, and you feel supported and loved and encouraged and you give that to your partner as well, are the ones that are the best. Yeah. I mean, it, it relates to work too. I mean, if you're just jumping for money, um, trying to find that next 5% increase in salary, that is not satisfying. If you're leaving a job or taking a job just for the money, that is a bad move. There, and I, I have friends that do it all the time. I tell them that's not going to satisfy you in the long run or you're not going to learn anything that way you're not going to feel good about it you're not going to feel good about yourself I, I just don't see it so it needs to come from a deeper place for sure yeah absolutely like if you if you love what you're doing and you feel a sense of passion for it and you want to be valued more 
and you think being valued more is an increase in pay, that's a different story. But if you're just like, oh, I sort of like it here, but I'll get paid more here. So I'm just going to leave all these people, even though I love them and right. it's been a great time and they treat me well, I'm just going to go for the money, whatever, you know, and, and there's sort of different circumstances that maybe that apply to if you really need it for your family, but just generally speaking, right. It's about this intrinsic motivation that keeps you there and the relationships you're building and all of that stuff. And, and being at a place for a long time is pretty cool. Um, yeah. You know, you know more than I do about that. So. I mean, it is cause you really get to know people. I mean, I have a great relationship with my employees and my boss and um, I don't see them as <clears throat> employees. All right. We gotta, we gotta take care of this guy. <laughs> do you hear that? Does yeah, it come through on your headphones? Yeah. Here, hold on one sec. Okay. You know what I'm going to do, Aaron? All right. We pause the podcast for a moment. This podcast is brought to you by Trader Joe's Chicouterie. <laughs> you know how they have the ads in the middle? Dude. Yeah, this is it, eh? <laughs> this is it charcuterie it's uh it's like a ch- charcuterie board for dogs i guess apparently That's cool <laughs> I, we, I could do a taste test a human taste test <laughs> <laughs> he comes back in with a toy what i'll do is i'll take it like right now and then just give him the treat and then he'll be he'll be good all right yeah man i don't see him as employees back to what you're saying being somewhere a long period of time my current role current job whatever um, I mean, you just become friends with them, you know, like real relationships, you get to know them, you get to know their families, their struggles, what their goals are, they get to know you in, in the same realm. I mean, man, it's like, think about if you, you made a group of friends, right? Like in your community, and then just to up and leave them say like, all right, I'm out of here. Like, we're, we're done hanging out. This is it for no other reason than like, there's some money gratification somewhere else that would make no sense you would never do that and in the work world i feel like that's the same way once you built those relationships with people it's it's way harder to leave i don't yeah. think about the money i think we all live to our means anyway um so like little bits of changes in salary here and there unless you know like you're saying it's some life-altering thing or you need it for your family otherwise i put more value on working with people meeting people and building those long-term, those relationships. Yeah. And you, you, you definitely learn this sort of delay of gratification in sports. That's true. I didn't even think about it that way. That's why I think sports are one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why playing sports, especially for youth are extremely important. Like me and you baseball players, I started playing baseball at like five, right? right? I didn't personally feel like I was capable as a baseball player until my junior year of college. I was like 19 or 20. So that's almost 15, 14 years of consistently playing the game of baseball and loving every moment of it, especially the times where it was very bad and I was striking out four or five times a game and going 0 for 20 in my first college experience and Richie asking me if I could actually hit and why you go over 20 i was like over 16 yeah in my first 16 at bats like i think 12 of them were strikeouts um and hey, richie man. was like yeah i'm not sure why we recruited you man um 
but well, that's... hopefully it gets better. I'm like, <laughs> that's yeah, anyway. not a real productive way to handle it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, and then so so having that, and then like by my junior year, feeling like, oh, like I'm actually like a pretty good baseball player. Clearly, yeah. I can get better, but I feel confident in the way I move and the way I swing and the way I approach the game. <clears throat> and that's 15 years of dedicated effort, knowing that not really knowing where I was going with it, you know, but knowing yeah. that I was just going to play because I love the game and enjoying the process of trying to get better and being around my teammates and all of that stuff. And so that lesson I've applied everywhere in my life. I've applied yeah. it to professional wrestling. I didn't know how to do anything. What? Like, I don't know how to professional wrestle until yeah. I did know how to do it. Right. And podcasting is the exact same way. There's like, there's like 2 million podcasts or something like that, or 5 million podcasts. And 90% of those podcasts have less than 10 episodes. That's wild. You and then hundreds. Yes. And then 90% of that have only 20%. So that means basically I have 20 episodes. That means if you do more than 21 episodes of a podcast, you're in like the best podcast in the whole entire planet out of like 5 million podcasts. That's crazy. Hey, congrats, buddy. <laughs> thank you yeah this is episode Dude, like 137 so. yeah you're posting them a lot now it's consistent so yeah. yeah you're lining up guests that's awesome it's hard work i mean you have to work with uh jackasses like me who have to reschedule and cancel so I get no it's all saying. good <laughs> it's all good but that's what i'm saying you know man so yeah. like people get into all of these fields especially like an entrepreneurial field or like a, a solo entrepreneur and like oh, i'm gonna make a podcast and it's gonna be as big as the tim ferris show by next week oh, I did four episodes and I got zero listens and zero plays and zero downloads. Shit. Yeah. Well, it's not about the plays. It's not about the downloads. It's about the conversations. It's yeah. about what you're learning, what I'm learning from you, what I'm learning from my guests, how I'm you know, just iterating the things that I'm learning in my life. It's about those conversations. It's about putting in the reps, the reps, the reps, the reps over and over and over, consistency, consistency, because yep. you're in love with the process of doing the thing that you're doing, whatever it may be whether it's archery or ice skating or plumbing or carpentry or podcasting. And then over time, you're like, oh, like, yeah, I could definitely get better at this, but I feel like I'm pretty good. And yeah. I can see that process happening over time and I can see that improvement. And so I don't care if anyone never listens ever again, I'm going to keep doing it because I have peace knowing that I'm enjoying doing the process. And that's right. delayed gratification. And you know, with social media consuming our lives, it's very hard to extrapolate that and be like, and, and get delayed gratification because we get instant gratification over and over again with 750 million videos scrolling through. And then we're like, okay, well, why am I not on varsity after one day of baseball? Well, because yeah. you're not very good yet, man. doesn't mean you can't get there. You absolutely 100% can, but not from one game of catch and one hitting lesson. Are you going to be able to play start on varsity as the shortstop? So exactly. It's like the fitness world, man. Everything is all about instant gratification, the instant fix that is that ever going to change? I don't think so because it appeals to people's ability to like transform overnight, which we know is not possible Yeah, you have to over a course of time, get eight hours of sleep, eat well, hydrate, get your steps in, go to the gym. Right. Mm -hmm. could take months, could take years, you yeah. know? Yeah. But, and part of that too, is enjoying the process, right? Everybody always talks about that, but really like enjoying what you're doing and what you're working towards. 
that's the only way to make it sustainable. I feel like if you're just doing something for the end goal, that's a disaster waiting to happen, right? You're right. going to fail or most likely going to fail. So yeah, there's, there's no sustainability in that. You're going to get no. burnt out. You're <clears throat> going to get overwhelmed. Right. right. Of course, everything in life is based on results and outcome, right? Yes. But if that is the only thing that's motivating you, there's no sustainability in that because you're going to get most likely the outcome and the result you want if you're doing the things you should be doing, right? If you're planning, practicing, executing, reviewing, and the learning, and then repeating that over and over and over and over again, because the process is so fun to you, then you're most likely going to get the outcome or result that you want. And then if you don't, then you know that you just look back on your process and be like, okay, I can, I can change this portion of it. I can make a few pivots here, here, and here. And this yeah. will probably lead me down the path that I want to go on. So, but yeah, the, um, the fitness industry one is, is interesting. It's, just, it's crazy. And now with Instagram too, like, like you're saying the endless amounts of videos and people trying to catch your attention with these quick fixes. Mm -hmm. It's wild, man. Uh, I think, I think Tony Robbins said this, but he was like, people completely overestimate what they can do in one year and completely underestimate what they can do in five. That's a good, that's a good way to think about it. Yeah. Five is a lot longer than you think for sure. Cause if I'm, if I want to lose 150 pounds, okay, yeah. that's a lot. That's probably a three to four year journey, but yeah. really it's a lifelong commitment to keeping that weight off and living my life as a healthy person. Right. But if I say I have to lose hundred pounds in the next 12 months, you're gonna that's that's tough that's really tough and then you're yeah. probably doing a lot of these things that are not really healthy you're trying to just drop the weight quickly and yep. then what happens if you do drop the weight have you developed these these habits that are going to help you live a sustainable healthy life which is going to allow you to still have ice cream and have popcorn and do some of these things that are exciting but you can't because you've been so strict and then you just fall back on some of these old habits because you didn't create a new life you just did it and yeah. so it's really quite hard. And so think about what you can do in the next five to 10 years. It's incredible what you could possibly do. Incredible. And if you plan out that long in advance and give yourself that much time to achieve anything, you're going to get there. You're going to get yeah. there. Well, and too, like a short time period like that, you're putting too much stress on yourself because life happens, right? Something might come up, you know, whether it's a family or work related thing, and then it throws you off a little bit. Um, you got to get back on track. And then you're like, damn, I just like spent a month dealing with this. You know, I had to travel to wherever to take care of my mom or um, five years is much more sustainable. Three to five years. You know, if you look at it more as like a long term, like you're saying, lifelong journey, lifestyle change versus one year. Get this done as a goal. You know, it can happen in a year. Throw you oh, off. So. Beautiful. Hey, you know, uh, off topic, Richie took a new job. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So he's going to be at Fresno state as an assistant coach under, uh, I don't know if you met Ovi Ryan Overland. I just heard of, I heard you guys talk about him a bunch. Oh, That's okay. awesome. Yeah. He's a head coach there. So yeah, he's leaving. Well, there's Kansas, a, there's a hundred percent chance that Richie listens to this podcast. So congratulations. hundred percent chance. <laughs> <laughs> we can text it to him. <laughs> yes, I'm going to. Hey, coach, haven't talked to you since my freshman year of college, but here's my podcast with Matt. 
Here's my podcast. Oh man, dude. Remember when I went over 20? Look at me now. Here's my <laughs> no, that's oh. hilarious. No, good for him. I, I'm, I, I, uh, I was hoping that he would get away from Kansas and, and start and start trying to build something on his own. Yeah. Do something different. Right. So yeah. Awesome. Well, cheers to him. Perfect segue into uh, number four, which is effective communication. The ability to convey your thoughts and feelings effectively is crucial to your success in your business, your relationships, and your ability to influence. What do you think? Yeah, man. Uh, I think that boils down to learn how to be uncomfortable in conversations, not so much confrontation, but in a way being able to deal with something that you feel like is confrontation, having a hard conversation with a family member or friend or coworker, um, everybody can have the easy conversations, right? Hey, how's it going? Oh yeah. Happy birthday. Oh, great. Merry, you know, Merry Christmas, happy new year, all that stuff. That's easy. But like you said, you see that person come in the door, you can tell they're a little off instead of shying away and just letting them go about their day, maybe spend a moment with them off to the side, ask them how they're really doing and take time to listen and engage in that conversation. Family member going through a tough time. Those are the hardest ones, right? Because you're super close to them. Um, maybe your parents aren't getting along or, um, interacting the way that you feel is appropriate. They're not treating one of your other family members the way you want them to be treated. How do you approach that? Somebody you've known your, your whole life and you got to be a little confrontational with them. I feel like you have to be comfortable with those situations. And I feel like for me, because nobody likes it and wants to do it, it's practice. You got to practice that you have to try and, uh, sometimes it doesn't come out right what you're trying to get a, get across or say, but putting in the effort and attempting it and working on it um, with different people over time, that, that makes it easier for sure. You know, some people are required to do it for their job like me. So um, that helps get me practice, but there's, I never want to do it. You know, I don't want to talk to somebody about performance or changing their behavior. Maybe they're coming in late, this, that, you know, on their phone too much, whatever. Um, but I always feel good afterwards, you know, cause it's always a good conversation because you find out what's going on in their life. Maybe something is distracting them. That's not related to work or whatever. Um, same with family too. You really just dive into what's bothering them and what's going on versus if you just ignore the problem or kind of like candy coat around it. Um, it's always beneficial. I always find so much more gratification after doing it, you know, even though it's stressful and I get sweaty and a little anxious during it, you know, um, the after effect, I almost compare it to like a workout, you know, you go into a workout and you don't want to start it. The beginning of it kind of sucks, but you get in the middle and you're like, okay, we're getting somewhere here. And then towards the end and when it's over, you're like, all right, that was good. That was productive. So, and that it gets easier with time, but it's never just, easy from the start there's right. you're never going to get to that that moment so yeah it's practice so it's so important to yeah to practice as a as a, a texan Brene brown would say you have to uh you have to step into the arena you have to yeah you can't play the game unless you're in the game and right she says to have these sorts of conversations, these hard conversations, you have to be awkward, brave, and kind. True. Awkward because it's hard. It is, it is it's awkward. very awkward. And you're, you're, 
you're trying to convey some hard feelings or you're trying to get down to the root cause of why someone may have been acting this way and it's awkward and but you try and you try and you and you're then you're brave about it and then you are kind about it and then it's like okay we can get to this mutual understanding or this common ground or we can pull on this common humanity of, of this idea of struggling as humans and how can I effectively communicate what I'm feeling and what you're feeling and how can we try and understand each other better? And it also boils down to, to understanding what you want. Like I can't effectively communicate to you, Matt, what I need from this conversation or from this podcast or from our friendship if I don't know, if right. I have no clue. And so that's also an important part of effective communication is being first honest with ourselves. Like, okay, this is what's happening in my life. This is what I'm lacking. This is what I need. This is what I'm inadequate at. This is what I'm really good at. Okay, I know those things. And so now when I effectively communicate, let's say to my friends or to my family or in a job interview, that that comes across as natural and honest because I've done the work to think about that myself. And now I'm, I can convey those thoughts and feelings in a way that someone can understand them. And now we can move forward with that. And it's still gonna feel awkward as always, but I'm willing to step into the arena. I'm willing to put on my cleats and my Jersey and be like, I'm playing the game, baby. Let's yeah. see how it goes. And I'm going to get knocked down. I'm going to strike out. I'm going to go over 20, but then I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to figure it out. And then it's going to be like, okay, this is a little bit easier. And Jordan Peterson says, I don't know if you follow Dr. Jordan Peterson. Yeah. But yeah, I do. Big fan of his. Yeah, he says great. that when we, when we start doing things um, that we're scared of voluntarily, we don't get less scared, but we get more brave. And he says there's a big difference between the two. And I think that's really cool because you're always going to be scared to do the things that are hard. Right. But if you voluntarily decide to show up for them, you're getting more brave and more courageous. And that's quite cool. Yeah, for sure. And two, you, you have to be as vulnerable as the person you're trying to have that conversation with. Back to the point on the, the Twitter feed, right? Like, you know, there's no like one person coming at the other. It, it's a 50 50 vulnerability scale, I feel like, there. You know, there's no playbook to it either. Mm -hmm. I, I think just going into it, being 100% open and vulnerable to that conversation and to where and just go where it goes, I've always found success that way. You know, um, kindness, that's a great way, a great way to describe it. Um, just coming at it from that angle for sure. My, a friend of mine who's been on this podcast, Hadley, she would always say that uh, clear is kind and kind is clear. Yeah. In terms of communication. So I think she's right. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Number five. This is what we sort of mentioned earlier about okay. multitasking, but mm. attention management. Your attention is being attacked 24-7 protect it, set firm boundaries, eliminate distractions, make no your default. What you focus on grows, choose the right things. That's number five, attention management. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've touched on it a lot. I feel like already with the other points, mm -hmm. interesting though, choose the right things because who, who tells you what's the right thing, right? Nobody tells you that you have to really have some self-reflection to figure out, like we've said, what your goals are, yeah. what you want to do, what you want to get better at, what's important to you. And how do you, you got to set time for that reflection too, right? Otherwise you have no freaking idea what you're doing and uh, the time will click by and you'll sit there and realize, dang, 
I haven't made any progress in the last two, three years. Well, set some time aside for yourself to meditate, read, really just think about what's important to you. Um, maybe have a conversation with somebody close to you uh, about what your goals are and, and what they see in you. I feel like that's helpful too. You know, you're, the people around you that are close to you, um, they can provide some good feedback, sometimes point things out that you can't see always right away because um, you're so blinded with how busy life is and you just get caught up in that rat race, right? So a um, little bit of time for self-reflection, huge. Yeah, self-reflection is uh, wildly important, right? Because I'm, I'm going to ask advice from people, one, that I trust, and two, that I want to be like. Yeah. Well, I can do the same to myself, but I can't ask myself for my own advice if I don't know myself at all, if I've never sat down to think about anything. So I can't trust myself. I can't trust my intuition. I can't trust my gut. Because yeah. one, like you're saying, you, you've never done the self-reflection to get to know myself, to understand what my core values are, what my internal compass is, what drives me, why am I, how do I get very concrete on the things that I want to do? Because then saying yes and saying no to things is very easy. I say yes to things that align with me completely. And I say no to the things that don't. But if right. I'm like wishy-washy in between not knowing, then I'm going to say yes to everything. And then my time is everyone else's time except for my own. And then I can't right. figure out then the things that I'm choosing, the right things are, not, are the choices taken out of my hands. Every, the choice is being made for me. And so I can't even focus on anything. So I'm not only multitasking, I'm like quadruple tasking on everything. And then I wake up on a Thursday and I'm like fucking exhausted, exhausted. wondering yes. where my time went. And I'm like, well, your time went to everything that you said yes to because you don't know what you actually want to say yes to. So you're right. saying yes to everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, it's easy to stray away from what you know you're supposed to say yes to and what you should say no to. You have to stick to it, right? And that's harder than harder than it sounds to stick to your plan. Right. Um, because like we said, you're constantly being bombarded with temptation and overstimulation. And it's easy just to like, oh, I'm going to go do this, do that, you know, so. Yeah, because then there's the you know, if you're saying no to stuff that you know doesn't align to you, there's like this fear of missing out. There's like this yep. fear of other people's opinions. Oh, they're having a bunch of fun. Should I have done that? Well, I have yep. to wake up early tomorrow because the thing I'm doing tomorrow is important. So I know I shouldn't have gone, but then I feel like I'm missing out this connection, this relationship. Is it fun? You know, but all of those feelings are still going to come up. We're regular human beings and we have we have those sorts of thoughts, but yeah. if internally we really do know that this was the best decision for us based on our core values, that's slowly going to subside. And then when you wake up and do the thing that you plan to do in the morning, you're going to be good to go. You crushed it because you know, you got the right amount of sleep. Yep. Um, you put the right amount of attention towards it. And so, yeah, you have to set also setting firm boundaries specifically on social media. Like you have yeah. to put some emotional parameters around your social media. The phone is designed to keep you coming back over and over and over and over and over again. So you have to control the phone, not let the phone control you. And so setting timers, putting it at a lockbox, having a digital shutdown, Something. a digital Sabbath, whatever the case may be is, right? You have to do some of that stuff or you're going to be drawn away and your attention is going to be pulled in every different direction and you're going to be task switching 
and your attentional residue is going to be going from this task to that task. You're not really going to be focused on this because you still have some residue from the last task. And it's right. just like a whole freaking mess. Yeah. It's a whole mess. And so if you can actually do deep work, you're putting yourself in a higher position than everyone else around you because most likely they are not because they haven't done this sort of intense work around distractions and boundaries yet. Yeah. What I've tried to do too, because sometimes you can get so regimented with that time, right? I mean, you have your non-negotiables, which I think you always should have, whether that's, you know, you got to go to work, you got to get some sleep, got to eat, maybe throw some fitness in there as like your non-negotiables, right? right? And then you have other things throughout the day that are important to you. Well, if it's all blocked out, full 24 hours, then there is no time to, for exploration into mm. something else, a new relationship, a new skill. So, and those aren't always going to work out, you know, like you're going to maybe meet a coworker for dinner or a drink or whatever, and you'll get done with that interaction and be like, ah, that wasn't what I thought it'd be. It's a waste of my time, I guess. Or it could go the other direction and be something, lead to something great or develop uh, something that, you didn't see coming. Same with the new skill, right? Try something new. It doesn't always work out. There's no guarantee, but you got to build in a little bit of time for some of that exploratory type behavior or interactions. Um, I, for a long time, was so regimented with my time. You know, I wouldn't have time for this podcast or whatever because I would just block all the other hours out of the day. Uh, usually it was fitness related or whatever. I'd spend like four hours at the freaking gym. <laughs> <laughs> more inefficiency than anything, but, um, same with going out with people from work, you know, I'd spend time with them at work, but Hey, somebody invites me to dinner or whatever. I'm too busy. You know, I got my own thing going on. I try to build in a little bit of time during the week for some of those things that might be more borderline, but it's okay. I feel good about it because I've built it into the schedule. You know what I mean? My mental schedule of, all right, that's all right. We're going to explore this, this new thing and, uh, see where it goes. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Like putting, putting some time in the schedule for free play and for creativity yeah. and for exploration. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Then you don't feel bad about it. You know, it's not a time waster because you built it in to time. That's for you to go do something a little different. So, you know, got to do it. Wonderful. Number six, this one, my favorite one, your favorite one, number six. All right. What is it? Take care of your health. Take care of your health. your health before you are forced to make it a priority. Prioritize your health before you are forced to make it a priority. Yeah. I mean, have you ever been sick? You know, when you're sick in the hospital or just at home, really sick, there's only one thing you want and that's your health for sure. Mm -hmm. So if you neglect that, you'll eventually end up in that space where you are sick and you can't do the things you want to do. Simplest things like go to the grocery store, whatever it may be. When you're sick, all you want to do is be healthy. And you got to always remind yourself of that. And you don't want to have to actually remind yourself of it by getting sick. You want to be able to just reframe it and think about that as, hey, man, health is the, the baseline, the, the bottom layer that holds this all together. Being healthy allows me to do everything else that I want to do. Kind of like the food pyramid, right? Your health, that if we do a food pyramid of your life, I feel like the health is at the bottom. It's got to be. Focusing 
on getting better, whether that's getting more sleep, drinking water, eating well, working out. Those are the most important things because without that, you can't do anything else you want to do. Right. If I'm, if I'm trying to build the biggest skyscraper in the whole world, I'm digging into the ground so deep into those roots so I can have the strongest foundation possible. Right. That's what your health is. It's eating well, moving well, sleeping well, and thinking well. Yep. That's it. Done. Done. Make time for it every day, right? Take more walks, drink more water, try to eliminate some snacking, eat more, eat more real food, stop drinking sugar, uh, moderate to sort of intense exercise 30 minutes, four times a week, right? Prioritize your sleeping. That goes with eliminating social media and having a digital shutdown that goes right into your sleep. How are your social connections? Are you, do you have a gratitude practice? How are you thinking? All of these things. This is like your base layer of your health. And now if you live a completely unhealthy life and you have to understand that if you are, you have to be honest with yourself about that. Yeah. Pick one of those things to attack. Okay. I'm going to start attacking my eating habits. That's it. Everything else will come after that. I'll do one thing at a time. And then you start to think to yourself, okay, what would a healthy person do in this situation? Because I see myself as a healthy person. So I'm going to act like that best version of me. Okay, a healthy person would have this instead of this. They would eat this and this. They would have an eating window. They would do that, right? So you have to start implementing those little tiny little things that are too small to fail and then picking one thing at a time. Okay, I've decided that I'm going to take two 30-minute walks throughout the week, just two 30-minute walks. Maybe it's one. Maybe it's a 10-minute walk. Maybe you need to lower the scale a little bit. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter your starting point. It doesn't matter how embarrassing, quote-unquote, people think your starting point is. That's your starting point. And you have to be honest enough to start there and move from there. Because then if you're not, if you're like, oh, it's too embarrassing, I would never do that. I can't. I can't. Then you're never going to start. And you're always going to be the person that you are, which is not the person you're capable of being, which is so much more. Right. And so you have to break it down from the smallest level possible. Right. It's the same thing that Jordan Peterson talks about when he's like, clean your freaking room. Yeah. If cleaning your room is way too daunting. Well, how about you put away one sock in the, in the sock drawer, put what one sock where it's supposed to go. And then you're done for the day. And then tomorrow it's two socks. Maybe you clean out a whole drawer. Ooh, maybe you make your bed. Right. That's, it sounds fucking ridiculous, but it's the truth because you're it taking is. responsibility at the smallest point possible and then incrementally moving up from there. And then over, like we're talking about three to five years, your life is transformed and you are the healthy person that you always knew you were capable of being. You just didn't know where to start, but you fucking started anyways. And now you're yeah. cruising and now you're doing fitness competitions and you're mountain yeah. climbing or you're doing jujitsu or you're you know, you're having a podcast about it, because You feel like you're so inclined to tell the whole world how you changed your life and you want to inspire other people to do it. You know, all this amazing shit can happen, or you're just living a cool life and you're not telling anyone about it. You're just fucking crushing it, which is great too, which is also awesome. Yeah. I feel like people see others who are successful in, in fitness and wellness and health. And they think like you're saying, they think they've been there forever. Like we all started at that moment where we're looking at our bedroom going, fuck this is a mess dude i gotta clean this shit up and you don't want to and you don't you know you just avoid it but we've all started there and 
it's funny because people will come up to me at the gym. They'll see me doing something like I'll do, be doing a handstand walk. This happened the other day. And this guy asked me, he said, how'd you learn how to do that? You, were you in gymnastics as a kid? And I'm just like, hell no, dude. I played baseball. Like I'd never <laughs> been upside down in my life. And he thought I was lying. He's like, how do I start? How do I do it? I'm like, dude, I couldn't even kick up against the wall on my hands. Like no joke. I had to have two people grabbing my legs something under my head so I wouldn't fall on my face. And it was, like you said, one scary, embarrassing, all that stuff. But we all came from that moment of my room is a fucking mess and I got to clean it up. So if you're somebody who's successful in the health, wellness and fitness area, you're taking care of yourself, you're feeling good. I think it's always super beneficial to, to connect with those who aren't and make them understand that nobody starts where we're at you know what i mean we all came from that that point and the starting levels are different for everybody but we all had our starting point for sure and it gives them a little bit of motivation and comfort knowing that hey all right i gotta start somewhere yeah well to that point that's why i think the gym atmosphere has the potential to be the most supportive atmosphere of all time dude it's the best every single person working out in that gym was either at one point fat out of shape, skinny, or just like not in shape. Everyone started at the, one of those starting points. And yeah. now they're doing fucking handstand walks or squatting 400 pounds or running 10 miles or doing 100 pushups or being able to do pull-ups, whatever the case may be is. That's why like when we see a person in the gym and they don't really know what they're doing, they looked a bit confused. They looked a bit out of it. They're trying, help them. Yeah. You were that one person. I was this random 14 year old kid at a gold's gym just trying to fucking figure it out man every yeah. morning i was there and people who saw me there every morning like older guys who were just jacked would just come help me they'd be like hey you should tweak this on your stance like why don't you pull this and squeeze this and keep your chest and i was like thank you they're like yeah we see you dude every here every morning at 5 30 why wouldn't we help you and then over time i'm like 16 17 cool i got to figure it out i get to college now I have strength and conditioning knowledge because we had a coach and other guys on the team. It's like, if you see someone in the gym struggling, help them. They're just trying help to them. get better. Yeah. Like maybe they watched a few YouTube videos. Maybe they, you know, maybe they didn't. Maybe they're just like, I'm just going to fucking go to the gym. I'm just going to try That's awesome because they just yeah. decided to show up because it is intimidating to go do something around people you don't know and something you don't know how to do. But then those same people in the gym started at the same spot that you're in and we can be supportive in that environment, not look at them and be like, this dude doing why does he why do he wear a shirt with no sleeves he's so skinny because he doesn't know what he's he, he just thought that's what the culture was so he just yeah. walked in and he's trying to figure it out and be like figure it out dude that's yeah. a sweet tank you want me to help you with that spot what's yeah. your lift like like what days are you working out like do you have a do you have a plan are you writing things down like are you taking some protein cool man let me help you out like there's there's nothing there but just like some love and kindness and understanding that we started at that same point as well yeah. and that sort of gym atmosphere, gym environment can be, can be extrapolated into any sort of environment that you're in when it comes to our health. Yep. Dude, that's why I love, I love the gym that I go to now. And I think part of that too, if you're feeling like you're stuck in your progress, changing your gym can be huge too, because mm. it's a big environment change, different people that you get to meet, feel stuck and in a rut. Maybe you're working out at home only, you know, go to a gym for sure. Any type of gym, doesn't matter what type. A CrossFit gym doesn't have to be anything like that where it's community-based. 
I go up to people all the time in my 24 hour fitness style gym and just introduce myself, you know, cause you see them every day and you're making eye contact with the same people. What are we doing here? So yeah, go up, introduce yourself and, and chat, have a conversation. Hey, what are you working on? You know, you got a competition coming up. Are you doing bodybuilding? What is it? And, uh, you'd be surprised as to what you learn about people, how open they are. You know, somebody has had to like break the ice. You know what I mean? And for me and you who feel comfortable in the gym, I feel like that's our responsibility to do that because the newbies or people who are kind of just getting back into it or whatever, or maybe they've been there for a long time, but they just don't feel as confident. We have to be the ones to open those doors up, man, and, and be more conversational and, and just willing to help out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And your health obviously goes along with your, with your mental health, your physical health. All of that stuff is combined. Things you do for your physical health are going to help your mental health. Things oh, you yeah. do for your mental health are going to help your physical health. It's bi-directional. It's an integrated, connected system. It's all one. They're not separate. I say this a lot when it comes to our mental health, but if you just put health and well-being all in one, if you don't start taking care of your health, mental health, physical health, your whole health now, you will absolutely be forced to at some point in your life be forced to because it is you're in dire need or you're in a crisis let's not get to that crisis let's do some work now because life is too unpredictable and too uncontrollable and things will happen and you will get sick and someone in your family something will happen right something will happen yep no matter if you take care of yourself the best way possible something will happen so let's do it anyways so we can armor ourselves mentally and physically and emotionally and spiritually to handle that stuff as best we possibly can by making time for it. And it's really making time for ourselves. That's what we're doing. We're making yeah. time for ourselves because we're treating ourselves like someone we're responsible for taking care of. That's what we're doing. Well, and when you say armor it, man, there's tons of data that backs that up from the medical field too. Whether you're in a car accident or you get sick with a virus or some type of bacteria, those who are more physically fit have better outcomes. You know, mm -hmm. if you have more skeletal muscle, on your body and you get hit by a car or you're in a car accident, you're going to fare a lot better than somebody who has never lifted a weight or worked out. It's just, it's science, man. You got the skeletal muscle being almost like an insulator to your actual skeleton and all the neural tissue and whatnot. It's going to protect you. And then same goes when you get sick with some type of virus or bacteria or other illness. If you have a higher VO2 max, a better respiratory and cardiovascular system, you will bode better in the long run. You have better outcomes. It's proven day in and day out. You see it in the hospital. Those who are healthy when they come in, they have something happen to them in their life. They usually pull through a lot easier, a lot quicker than those who don't have that base layer of health and wellness. From the doctor himself, baby. Dude, it's true. It's so true, man. So there's yeah, 100%. I mean, there's stories like the people will come in, um, who work out They're They're not like competitive weightlifters or anything like that, but they lift weights. There was a lady. I remember this story uh, a couple of years ago, she got in a car accident. Her neck was sore, um, for a couple of weeks. She went in, uh, did like a virtual visit, I think, or an urgent care thing. And they just said, Oh yeah, I think you got some whiplash. And I, they did like a concussion protocol, no concussion or anything like that and sent her home. A couple of weeks later, she was still sore, still really hurting, like sleeping, didn't feel great, went into the ER and they did a quick x-ray and they found out she had a broken vertebrae in her neck 
And the only thing holding it together was how much muscle mass she had. And one of the doctors even said to her, if you didn't have those muscles, the way you have them developed, you know, you could be paralyzed because that vertebrae is pushing up against your spinal cord. Who knows what would happen? You know, you can't, you'll never know, but we do know that her being strong and healthy and fit had some benefit there for sure. And that's just one anecdotal case, of course, but um, you see it over and over and over again in the hospital. Yeah. That same sort of story uh, I've seen a lot in wrestling actually. Oh, really? Because there's obviously a lot of neck head injuries and sort of falling in amateur wrestling and in professional wrestling. And so, yeah, those guys have, have prevented themselves from very serious things from happening because they've built up this sort of neck muscles that have, that they've trained over and over and over and over again. Not that it's like this cure all preventative thing. You're never going to get injured, but yeah, you're, you're more, uh, yeah, you're armoring yourself much more than you would have if, if not. So, yeah. I mean, when you're last sick, one, Matt, are you, you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. What is it? Lifelong learner. If you're not growing, you're dying. I mean, this just sums up all, all six in one, basically. Yeah, man. Lifelong. I mean, that's why I'm back in school, right? You know? Yeah. I want to learn something new. And uh, nothing against those who are reading nonfiction. I think reading anything is beneficial. Reading and comprehending and practicing that skill is huge. But um, developing a skill, like we talked about earlier, um, diving into a subject a little deeper, you know, and lifelong learner. I feel like let's, let's apply that to your relationships, learn more about the people that you're connected to take time to learn one new thing about somebody every day that you didn't know before and commit that to your memory. Don't just go through the motions. Right. Um, but try and apply it to all aspects of your life for sure. Absolutely. I think, I think this, one just boils down to being curious yeah you know being being curious about the people you spend time with being curious about yourself being curious about the things that you think are interesting but haven't decided to look into them yet like you're super interested in sports cars or sports cards or turtles uh get curious about it learn about it read some books like i think people there's such an emphasis on like turning your side hustles and your hobbies into hundred and six thousand dollar businesses passive income baby all this stuff and it's like yes in regard that's great that's great right if that's if that's you if you need that if you want that that's great but have a hobby and a passion just to have it man yeah man just to like you, you went through your work day you're like sitting on the couch with your wife or your girlfriend or your brother or your friend whoever it is. And they're like reading the book that's firing them up. And you're just like sitting there. Well, what am I, what should I do? Read the book that you want to, that you want to read. Like, what are you interested in? Like what fires you up? What gets you going? Again, you don't have to turn that into this passive income where you can get on, make a YouTube channel and tell the world about it and have all this. Like, if you want to be an entrepreneur, that's great. I am. So it's coming from a weird place. Yeah, But if you just want to read about turtles because they fire you up and it relaxes you and it's like keeps you curious and you're interested in it. And then you can like have a sweet dinner conversation with your buddy who you're going to get barbecue with tomorrow and you want to yeah. tell him about turtles and he loves you. So he's like fired up that you're fired up about this thing that you're fired up about. And now everyone's fired up. And it's like, 
the atmosphere is crazy just because about turtles decided it to go read a book about turtles or watch this like documentary on national yeah. geographic about how cool they are like i don't know man that's just like i just think people get shied away from it because they feel like they have to turn everything into income yeah they do for sure or people shame them too into like if they're not doing that they're like why aren't you reading a book like you should be reading man like you know when you get to that point where you are fired up about something and you're reading and you're studying or you're interested in a subject, don't make other people who aren't there yet feel bad about it. You right. know what I mean? Cause they're sucked into the system too. You know, like you said, the phone is designed to keep you coming back the internet, the YouTube, whatever it's all designed for that. So don't make them feel bad about being in that place, help them out, give them some encouragement, maybe show them a subject that you started with that you like, and that might be interesting to them, you know? So especially if you're close with those people. I mean, there's, there's no, no space for that to right. make them feel bad about it. Yeah. Yeah. Just learn, learn whatever you can. Like I would, I would go home and I would write down five things that you're interested in or that you really loved when you were a kid that you just kind of forgot about. Yeah. And go read an article, one article about it or watch a YouTube video about it. And see what kind of sparks come up. Like, do you get the sort of gut reaction? Like, ooh. like, eh, I don't, I don't know if I like that as much anymore. Yeah. You know, like I loved Power Rangers when I was a kid. Loved them. Probably why I became a professional wrestler, so I could be a superhero slash supervillain. Hell yeah. Uh, but when I watch Power Rangers now, it doesn't it doesn't fire me up as much, you know? But when I watch like a Marvel movie, I get pretty fired up. Yeah. I get pretty fired up still. And so I'll list I'll listen and learn about that stuff, but like, what is it for you? Like, I've loved baseball since I was three. So I'll listen and learn about that every second of my life. But there was a period in there where I hated baseball because I was resentful about it. Yeah. Now you have to sort of come to terms with your own feelings about some of these things. But but revisit that. Revisit the things that, that excited you, that got you fired up. Make time for those things. It's just like making time to, to get to know yourself, making time for your health. This is part yeah. of your health because this is yeah. who you are. And, and if you're doing more things that excite you, you're you're doing more things for your health and for you so i think that's important and like you said sometimes it doesn't have to be there doesn't have to be some side hustle goal or some long-term goal with some of this stuff you know because like you said you know you felt resentful about baseball at one point and then you'd love it i had those same feelings too with all sports in general like there was a period of time where i was not interested in in the nfl or the mlb or any of that and then now i come back and i'm always reading about it all the time I'm not making money off that. There's no goal there, but it's, it's fun and interesting to me. So yeah, there doesn't always have to be some big overarching purpose to your learning. Sometimes you just need to learn to be curious and, you know, see where it takes you. Exactly. So. Just get curious and see where it takes you. That's perfect. Health and well-being. Do you ever notice when you're working out a lot you like you want to eat better the food you want to eat are quality foods and then mm -hmm. let's say you just miss a few days and then all of a sudden you're craving chick-fil-a and all these <laughs> no <laughs> knock no knock on chick-fil-a but it i it's so weird how fast it happens at least for me if if i'm not working out or if i missed a few days then all of a sudden all i want to do is crush some of those more unhealthy foods yeah i mean I just know how they make me feel too. Like if I'm going to put all this time and energy and effort into trying to get better at jujitsu and 
my body, yeah. my craft, my mind. I want to nourish myself in the best way possible. But I also like, I have a, I have a sweet tooth. I like having dessert. And so it's sort of tapering that, you know, finding a balance in between that, like an 80, 20 rule almost, but it's not, yeah. Being so strict and deliberate and like restricting yourself only creates you to break out of those restrictions once you kind of fall a little bit short. Yeah. But if you have, but if you're just like, Oh, okay, maybe I'll just get some Chick-fil-A today. And you don't have to have a reason behind it. You're not like, okay, if I have Chick-fil-A today, I'm going to go run 600 miles tomorrow because that's the only way it'll get burned off. You're just like, Hey, I'm just going to have Chick-fil-A today. Heck yeah. Because I like it. Now, if you're eating Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, Taco Bell, every single meal, every single day, that's a different situation. And we need to talk more deeply about that. But if for the most part, you're, you're nourishing yourself with real foods uh, and then you're like, Oh, today I feel like having a little donut this morning. That's cool. And you don't make it a habit. And then, yeah. you know, all of that stuff, but it, so. build it in, build that yeah. space in kind of like the free play space. You got to build in a little free play for the diet too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And trying new things and exploring new restaurants. That's fun because you're usually yeah. doing it with people that you love and you're like, did you like that? Did you like this? Should we come back? Like, well, you want to try something new? Ooh, maybe I'll try this like octopus dish. That sounds interesting. Did you like it? And it was a bit slimy for me. Cool. You know, wait, have, you, have you actually tried octopus? No, I haven't. No, wait. Oh. Yes, I have. My, my old roommate in Philadelphia, I think made it once. That sounds awful, but, but he man. was a, he was a magical chef. So it tasted like pretty good, but it's not something that I would probably eat regularly. And I don't know how many places serve octopus. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. How do you catch an octopus anyway? Probably wonderful. A, That's a good question. Probably in a net. We, we, should, we should do some reading. We should do some they, reading. <laughs> so bad. It's funny you say octopus. I saw some video on Instagram about it the other day. Some guy was diving and the octopus was like petting him. No way. <laughs> yeah, they have, I guess, like some type of emotional connection sometimes. It's weird. Wow. That seems pretty cool. Wild. So don't eat them. Aaron, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> man, man. Well, well, okay. Well, maybe we got to get a, like an octopus expert on this podcast. I don't know. Yeah. You have all different types of guests, so you could, could squeeze it in there. Well, I'm trying to get our friend Alex Oberly on so he can talk finances. Oh dude, that'd be great. I love that episode. Is he, have you ever done an episode where you have multiple people where you do like a, a three or four person call? Yeah, I've done a couple of those about about dating. I've done a few of those. Um, oh, okay. But I'd like to get like a panel of SDSU boys on so we could just shoot the shit for a couple hours. Oh yeah, that'd be sweet, dude. Yeah, that'd be a that'd be a blast. What what would be better is if we could do it in person though. Like we need to get a reunion going or something in the fall where we're in the same spot. I would love to. I would love to work with a, a couple guys to get us to get a reunion for us. I think that would be amazing. I'd like to go back to South Dakota, like go back and visit the stomping grounds, dude. Walk around campus and see what's going on. Let's do it. Heck yeah. Get some new gear. So I'm not wearing a 1996 Majestic. <laughs> dude, that's, that looks good though. And it still fits you. So it's all good. It's, it is a nice piece. I'm not going to lie. It was worth the 65 bucks or whatever they made us pay for back in the day. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Um, but, um, Thanks for going through that, uh, that Twitter thread with me. I think that was awesome. Dude, yeah, that was fun. That was really productive. I like that a lot. Do you have any uh, 
closing thoughts, things you really want to say, comments, concerns, anecdotes, funny stories? <laughs> no, man, I don't got anything going on right now. Yeah, I'm going to go work out. We got NFL football today. We got playoffs. Um, it's going to be a good day. What about you? Um, yeah, this is pretty much it. I'm going to have some baseball practice in a bit. Uh, but just podcasting away, baby. Yeah, baby. If there's one thing I'll leave you with, my new billboard, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, we, <laughs> we talk about this a lot at work, me and my boss, a couple other people, where we're trying to navigate like what we should do, how we should attack certain situations. We're always looking at like legal implications, HR implications, all this stuff, right? And sometimes you can get so bogged down into like these algorithms and matrices about how you're supposed to approach certain situations with employees and people and interactions that I always come back to just do the right thing, right? So simple. Just do the right thing. If you're always working to do the right thing, you're never going to go wrong. You're never going to end up in any, any trouble. You're not going to end up in a bad place. People are going to respect you for sure. Uh, respect your decision-making. Um, and two, you're going to, Spend more time valuing the, the things you're doing, right? Your time is going to be used wisely. Do the right thing. That's the, the thing I'll leave you with. Perfect. I, I want to end that episode, this episode, exactly like that. Do the right thing. Do the right thing, baby. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for coming on. Look forward to round three. Hey, heck yeah. Thanks, Aaron. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for tuning into that episode with Matt Spinar. Which one of the seven non-negotiables really resonated with you? Which one will you take on and take action on and implement into your life so that you can make 2023 your best year yet? If you enjoyed that episode, please share it with a friend because the podcast grows from people like you sharing it with people like you. And please, Give us a rating or a review on Spotify or Apple. But the absolute best way to support this podcast is through Patreon. Patreon directly supports me, this podcast, and my mental health nonprofit, You Are Loved. So click the link in the show notes and select the tier that works best for you. But most importantly, above all else, please take good care of yourselves and others. And I'll see you next time. Lots of love. Cheers.